0: Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, freelance writer, player of games, writer of words, recorder of videos, and tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the DN Roundtable for March 2021. This is a chance for patrons and I to get together and discuss topics in tabletop RPGs. And by sharing our ideas, thoughts, and experiences, we can all become better DMs and GMs. DM Roundtable discussions are open to all patrons at every level of patreon.com slash roguewatson. You don't even have to be an active participant. You can jump in here and lurk to your heart's content, and we are glad to have you. Shoutouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Tiny Dancer, Manuel, Wizard, Princess, Christopher, Star, Loverly, Thomas, uh, Dugs, 92, Ian, and James, and Captain Mike. I haven't upgraded my <laughs> patron credits there. And Gold Patrons, RPG, Papercraft, Charming Grenade, Pretty Boy, and you Marcus Marcos, Vicente, Gilberto, Adam, DeadLizard, Lounge, Sam, Arash, Lumpus, Buds, Jerome, Fatboy619, Scalini, Nick, and Farty McButterpants. Thank you all very much for your support. This month's topic, as determined by the Patreon poll, is Factions. Factions. Often make up the primary ingredient in world building in modern RPGs and could encompass everything from uh, cults to entire countries to just a single tribe or group. 5th edition, D&D includes several factions in the Forgotten Realms including the Harpers, the Lord's Alliance, and uh, So The question being, what factions do we incorporate into our campaigns or do we like to just create our own? And joining me for this month's DM Roundtable, we have Jordan Hello. Lumpy. Hello. Dead Lizard Lounge. Hi, thanks for having me. And Marcos.
1: Hey there, what's going on?
0: Uh, Jordan, you were here first. Um, So, factions, uh, tell me, do you you use any of these factions? And you mentioned uh, running Dragon Heist, that they uh, are used a little bit more in that campaign.
2: I, for the most part, when I read through the Dungeon Master's Guide for the first time, I ran across them. I was like going, okay, there's Renown, there's Piety. It's something about gods and gangs, and they do something. And when (laughs) I started reading into it more, I was like, okay, so there's different levels. And once you get to certain levels, you get all these cool titles. But after that, I was kind of looking at it going okay so great i have a title and these people think i'm cool but outside of that what what mechanically does it do for my players and why would they actually want it in their games Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day i was kind of at a loss until i saw dragon heist which was the first time i had seen factions really get a, a real boon or measurable aspect to them Where in in Dragon Heist, at the very beginning, they have a part called Factions in Waterdeep. And if you want to be working with the Breg Dareth, they'll give you certain things when you hit certain ranks. Same thing with the Emerald Enclave or the Lord's Alliance or the Harpers or whoever. And depending on which factions you get later on in the actual adventure, that actually determines which missions are available to you. So your decision on what faction you pick will actually change the course of the story and what things you interact with, run into, how things are presented and progress. And oh, wow. before that, I had never seen anything like that. But even then, I had to do digging online where I had to go to like D&D Beyond to actually see anyone that said, okay, when you're this level will give you Pass Without a Trace and advantage on Stealth in the Wilderness because you're with the Emerald Enclave.
0: See, that's, yeah, that's the kind of thing that I would want to look at, is adding some kind of mechanical benefit. I don't know if the story stuff is enough. And I don't think, Yeah, I feel like Factions is one of the weakest part of 5e. Like They've done such a good job with so many of their systems, but.
2: It kind of feels like an afterthought.
0: Yes. Does anybody else uh, have run Dragonheist or is familiar with that campaign? Pretty decently. Uh, Marcos, yeah, go ahead. What what are you thinking about factions?
1: Uh, well, Dragonheist is a little bit of an outlier. It essentially takes what, what is presented in um, Ravnica. Ravnica was the first real thing that has factions or guilds. Gil- oh yeah. They call it that. But at the end of the day a faction is either something to antagonize the heroes or it's something that's meant to give the heroes gold or loot. Cuz at the end of the day everybody wants treasure.
0: <laughs> that's a good point um, with the antagon the the uh, the evil faction is always cuz if you think about it like like the dragon cult is technically a faction, like in in uh the, whatever the TMT, adventure is, like that could be considered a faction. Is that it? Just mm-hmm. every evil cult is basically a faction, and princes that, of the
2: apocalypse.
0: Yes, yeah, th- those technically <laughs> have multiple factions, and they're all like mm-hmm. technically aligned against each other. But yeah, they fa- factions make excellent antagonists, uh, and in fact, most of the time, your BBEG is the head of a faction. They've got. You know, minions and different infrastructure working for them. (laughs) So I definitely agree with using them as uh, villains. Yeah, and it's actually
1: because of that structure that you see a lot of players not being in factions. Interesting. The the you know the epitome of a faction is following rules and following somebody else's guidelines, and a lot of players that takes away. As little, as little of a as it is, it takes away a little bit of their agency. Hence, a lot of people don't follow factions because they say, well, I want to do this, but, you know, they don't like taking candy from babies, and I really like taking candy from babies. (laughs) I don't want to be in this faction anymore. So to prevent, you know, know, unnecessary strife, a lot of people just don't do factions, and you only come across them as uh, an NPC, you know, Showing the face of a faction and then you working with that faction until they're not convened anymore
0: and the, and the weird thing is i I think factions are such an adventures league thing where it it's the reason for your character for adventuring, but when you have a group of players that are together for a campaign, it feels weird to me I guess that each one would belong to different factions, but they would all be working together like they're I don't know, the Avengers of their respective factions or something. Like, like the reason behind it is like you're, you know, the reason you're an adventurer in the Adventures League is because you remember the Emerald's Enclave and the Emerald, and the Emerald Enclave sends you off to do these missions and you happen to party with other people from these different uh, factions because you've never, you know, you're just playing at random tables and conventions and things. But if you're in an actual week-to-week group, it doesn't seem like it makes as much sense to be a part of, to, to, to need that crutch for that reason for your adventuring. You could just be like, well, I, I want, I'd want. i rather have my party all belong to a faction. And as you were alluding to, that faction is usually just the party is a faction. <laughs> they are the, the extra players. And they might work for other people, but essentially most parties are just mercenaries. And they're just being uh, hired by whatever group is paying them. Uh, Lumpy, how do you feel about using factions? I guess the 5e factions as well as any uh, custom ones. I
3: use them a ton in all of my campaigns. Uh, I do uh, predominantly homebrew stuff, so I use them to keep track of a lot of the moving parts with the, the stories that I I uh, tell with my players. For example, uh, in my Eberron campaign, I'm using the Daughters of Sora Kel, uh, The King's Dark Lanterns, and a couple other groups that uh, each of them have different stakes in the plot that's going on. So as the players do things, I I can react with one faction coming in and doing something different that then changes uh, the atmosphere of everything that they're doing. It's a really great way to have a dynamic story uh, with lots of different flexible options for
0: you. Yeah. Shout out to Ebron for having cool ass factions, by the way. I think there's one factor, just like a bunch of like werewolf vampire hunters or something. <laughs> like oh the, yeah. The there's Silver a flame. ton of
3: great stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm running a campaign that's based on, uh, basically it's a bunch of spies trying to figure out what's going on with, uh, the morning that happened four years prior. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's all these, uh, uh, terrorist attacks that are going on and they're trying to search down what's going on. So I have like the daughters of Sora Kel, which are from, uh, The land of monsters, essentially, there. And one of the people in that faction has decided to break off from the rest of her faction and help the party. So, you know, it gives them ins with these different factions. It gives you different uh, NPCs you can introduce to them. uh, Different assets they can just utilize at different points. I, I love them. I love using factions.
0: Using them as story Right, as, as like, yeah. yeah. What about, do you use any of them for, like, if your players complete, do you keep track? Is there any kind of, like, mechanical system that you, like, I come from such a video game background, so I picture, like, you know, like, literally having a bar where if you, like, you know, help this faction along, then that bar raises up and you go from, diff- you know, you're liked to you're amicable to whatever your ratings are, and that gives you some kind of, I don't know, shop discount or unlocks some perks or something. It's
3: not re- like so, I don't use uh like quantifiable you don't use numbers ranking or, or anything. Renown?
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the renowns Yeah, just... I just kind
3: of, I just kind of feel it out. I mean, uh, if they're working with one faction for a while, I'll throw them, you know, some extra bonus potions or something from that faction here and there. And yeah. it kind of, it's a, it's more like a a way to keep track of your improv. You know, if you know what the faction's looking for and how that person relates relates to the faction, the NPC re- relates to it, you kind of know how to role play whenever the players are interacting with them a little bit more. You know, I guess, I, yeah, I don't so have it any it, quantifiable way of doing it, though.
2: So it affects the influence that a character would have on a random NPC based off of what group they're associated with. It's like walking into the prison yard, and if you're a blood, you go this way. If you're a crip, you go that way. If you're (laughs) something else, you go somewhere else.
0: So are there any that are diametrically opposed, Like at least in your story, where the players have to make choices if they want to more go and work more exclusively for one faction to the detriment of another faction?
3: Yeah. In fact, I have one of the NPCs that they're dealing with currently... Is he's involved with two separate factions that are going on? Scandalous. Uh, yeah, and they uh, they don't know which which way he is going to lie, so they've been kind of keeping him at arm's length. It seems like so far, but uh, yeah. Uh, It's interesting what you can do with some of these uh, dangling a carrot in front of the players because I've tried to get them to hook up with specific factions before. I've given them like choices. Hey, do you guys want to go along with the Harpers when I was doing a a Forgotten Realms campaign? None of them would take a bite on it. None of them want to join any group. I've never had anyone
0: want to. I almost think that's indicative of how just boring the factions are in, in 5e Forgotten Realms, though, too. <laughs> yeah, but especially compared to the Eberron is... ones.
3: Oh, the Eberron ones are great. I can't say enough great stuff about Eberron. I'm pretty much switching all of my games to that campaign setting Ooh. now.
0: Yeah, that might have to be a, a future topic uh, just because, I, I mean, Eberron was on my list of of, uh, of campaigns we were going to run uh, next. I, I'm a big fan for sure. I've been I've been seduced by it. Uh, Dead Lizard Lounge, you've been quiet over there. Tell me about uh, how you feel about factions.
4: Yeah, I agree with the Patreons earlier, you know, comments about it feeling like a, an afterthought and kind of like an NPC face or, or trigger most of the time. You know, I always look out for the modules that mention, you know, this vendor is tied to this, you know, faction member. And I don't think a, a single time that's actually come up in a campaign... Um, And to be honest, that's kind of for the better. I'd I'd be worried if, you know, they were asking every single vendor, you know, kind of what their alliance is. It it slowed things down. Um, I've always offered it to the players and they skipped it uh, to to have any form of faction themselves in both Vandelver and Princess of the Apocalypse. Tomb of Annihilation was the first time where I really tried to pull it to the kind of forefront since the book seemed to do that in a few spots. And they still didn't buy And, uh, really it wasn't until what was it was like
0: the flaming fist or what was the examples that you were trying to use
4: flaming fist in the emerald enclave i believe one Mm. of the guides was tied to the emerald enclave if i'm not mistaken um but really rhyme is the first time that i've actually seen it actually work and kind of connect uh in a way that's both trackable and, and useful so Really, I think that may have had more to do with the secrets. We had a player choose the, the kind uh, of... CBR spoilers,
0: spoilers thing. for Icewind Devrun with Frostbaden real quick. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Most of these DM roundtables should, uh, you know, spoilers, but I do want to make sure we, we get that out there. All right, go ahead.
4: <laughs> yeah. So uh, we had someone choose that, and it's really impacted the 10 Talents play. Uh, including especially Targos with Nair and the, the Zentrum impact there and the other towns. It's made things extremely trackable. There's been real results, things that are constantly changing the game, and it's actually kept them in town doing quests for a group of adventurers that normally just wants to get outside of town um, and never look back. So in that regard, I think that's really successful. And I think that kind of ties into what Lumpy said about, you know, the spy style. Once you add some intrigue and you're not sure, you know, who's what and the the players kind of question each other on it, I think that adds a fun dynamic that, that makes the factions a lot more than you just kind of find in the book.
0: The one exception to the boring factions in 5e that i've found in my experience is the Zentarum, because they're just classic like organized mm-hmm. crime and everybody likes to fuck around with organized crime stories <laughs> like it's just we all know like the the characters we all know the the stories the plot the betrayal uh it, it's such a, a classic trope in uh storytelling and at least in our games that's pretty much how we've run our Zantarum is just, they're like classic gangsters, basically. Uh, and I, I like that they crop up in quite a few scenarios. Uh, I wish more of the factions were more interesting than like, we're a bunch of noble lords that want to have order. <laughs> like, I, yeah, most city states do. Or we're just a bunch of druids who like the natural world. The harbors is the weirdest one. It's like, we're just. We're just good guys, man, and we don't like power. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like the
1: Harbors are just a leftover from it's a satanic panic in the freaking early 90s where it had to be good guys winning.
0: Yeah, I, I guess. it's it, They just feel like such the generic, like, we are the good guys. But they're not even fun good guys. It's not like they have, like, like an Avengers crew and do stuff. They're just like, we've got, like spies everywhere but we're good guy spies and we just make sure to like steal artifacts away from bad guys or something It it all fe- yeah it all feels like it's a holdover from previous things and none of them are very well uh explored or utilized and even even from a story standpoint and from the mechanical standpoint i'm, I'm literally looking at uh the the dungeon master's guide it, it, it takes up all of like a page pages. and a half yeah yeah. Of information on factions. And that is such a big part of so many video game RPGs that I've played is they're so heavily based on factions. Like just whether that faction is an entire country, or it's a just a group of people, or it's one city, or it's an evil cult, or whatever it is, like those can all be factions. Um and it's, I... it's so disappointing how they're used in 5e.
2: I don't want to use a pop culture example, but I can't think of a better one where I think lots of people can relate to it, is just with Critical Role and the different factions that they've created within this Season 2, Campaign 2, whatever the hell you want to call it, where they are using factions as political parties. Mm. And there's this intercontinental war between these different groups and depending on where you were born you were most likely drafted into said faction or people looked at you and said oh you're that faction well fuck you and so it just like created this automatic sort of dichotomy of how do you actually approach things from a narrative standpoint to actually get things done and it created a component to the game which was tangible in terms of the way that they had to interact especially since their group was from both sides of the party of both both sides i I would love it was it's just interesting to watch the dynamic
0: i would love to have a, a military themed campaign that was that the backdrop was a war which was like literally two factions or more like at in active war with each other. And then you just had to have a a D and D campaign around that. And then you had, you know, fat and you could ostensibly as a, as a middle party, then as outsiders who could come in and theoretically like work for both and, or, or, you know, the multiple factions involved. And then uh, like Lumpy was saying, maybe eventually uh, you have to make, you know, the hard choices on which ones you want to, uh, eventually align yourselves with or or go your own path. And th- and that's such a big, again, video game RPG thing to do is that is part of the player choice in telling their own story is you end up aligning yourself with any of these factions or not in order to reach your end state. As and a-
2: that's, that's really what Campaign 2 is for that particular pop culture group is watching what you just described play out and then on top of that, when characters leveled up, their faction would come out and there would be some sort of dialogue more than just, okay, what'd you get at level five? It was my mentor comes out and we have a fight. And at the end of the fight, they sit me down and give me these new abilities.
3: Yeah. So
2: it, it was yeah, just I interesting. That,
3: uh, I wish that uh, the Dungeon Master's Guide would have put things about how to use factions as a narrative tool in your stories. Yes. That. Uh, they really failed us in that. I mean, they could have given us great ideas of, you know, how can you use a villain from this faction? How can you uh, create more world building using a faction? How did that fit into your world? I, I don't know, just spitballing here. But, you know, I they mean, really could have written a lot more stuff here for us to, how to use this other than just what they gave us in that page and a half, you know? I, can, I, I can mean, honestly, if,
1: if you think about it, though, Factions are literally... It, uh, factions could literally be everything in your game or nothing at the same time. Yep. Right. Think about a level one adventure where you're just a hodgepodge of level ones fighting goblins. The goblins the, are a the goblins. could be the faction Yeah. that you can either join or then kill. Or it cannot be a faction and you can still kill the goblins or you can talk to them and join them. Factions are literally just something... For expanding upon the three pillars of D and D exploration, combat, and RP, in some way, shape, or form, factions are going to add to that. To me, or it could be not, and your game could still be there. I feel like that's why they didn't really dedicate a whole lot to it because it's up to the Dungeon Master to figure out if a group is worth defining as a faction.
0: Right, and and the the definition is if 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 an interaction you have with this group also affects other members that tie to that group then it's a faction so in your goblin example if you deal with these goblins and then in the future no other goblins care about what you just did with these goblins then that wasn't really a faction in my opinion like if it's just one group like it's probably not considered a faction but if by you know, you helped this, this particular goblin tribe, and then you come across some other goblins in, in the future, and they're like, oh, hey, you know, it's it's like your renown bar has gone, like, you know, hey, we're we're kind of non-hostile to you right now, because we heard about what you did with these. Or, or, you created, like, a mini-faction and said, a rival faction said, oh, because you helped those goblins, now we fucking hate you, because that happened to be our, our sworn enemy goblin tribe. It's Baldur's Gate 3 with
2: the goblin that you save out of the the little uh, druid place. Do you save yeah. him or do you kill him? Yeah,
1: or oh, yeah. it could be, or it could be Snigbat, who you save the pups and go into the wilderness. Yes, and then you come back across Snigbat, and he has some stuff for you. He's suddenly a faction. Yeah, <laughs> he is a
0: faction.
2: That's one of the reasons why sometimes, like with the things that Wizard of the Coast gives us, I feel like kind of have to take it and what you make with make with it or do with it is really so much up to the Dungeon Master because going back to Dragon Heist, the way that it's written from a DM standpoint is pick one big bad and run with it. So there's one faction and then there's the party. And I, hate I basically that about that one. At, that to pick one book. of them,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, I looked at the book and I go, well, there goes five different whole sets of enemies I can use and all of their lairs, and all this other stuff. I said, screw that I'm running them all. And suddenly factions became a big deal because it was a race for the heist between the factions and whether or not they wanted to recruit the party and the party was open to that or whether the party said, screw you, you're bad. We don't want to join you. And it then created this different dynamic of, are we loyal to any of these people? Are we not? Are we with the city? Are we with one of these groups? How do we want to play this? And suddenly that became kind of like what Lumpy said, a totally different narrative device that changed the player mindset in terms of what choices were available to them.
0: So uh, those are lines you were mentioning in, in Frostmaiden. Uh, you're talking about the Zentarum as the faction you were uh, looking at using
4: yeah we've um really tied it together here with the the player who's essentially a harper so you know it's kind of created that dynamic between two of the factions um it's led to a lot of movement in the towns especially just because of the way the book's written and how it impacts some other towns and including good meat here so um you know there were some pieces with uh, Rhyme that I was able to kind of move around to to keep that going since the players were intrigued. And now we you know, we've pulled in East Haven. Um they've actually captured Neris, the town speaker of Targos and um, you know, plan to hold him no- for a trial that'll Never happened for other spoiler reasons. I <laughs> say um, even more spoilery. <laughs> but uh, no, it's um, it's actually been really successful. But you know, again, I think that goes to you know, the, the factions really are what you make of them, um, for better or for worse. A lot of the five E modules just kind of seem to put a little drop in there most of the time and say, you know, well, use it if you want, or use it if your players want. Um, but I think Frostmaiden really had enough there to actually make it interesting and then a player did the rest so you know even though there's only literally one player um that has chosen a faction it's had a a big impact and you know furthermore if if we break down you know factions can be different things well ten towns are kind of similar ten towns have their own preferences and uh they'll actually prefer or uh, not like someone based on you know kind of the quests they've done and in what areas they can get jealous. So we've also seen some I'd say some factional usage there as well with the the towns themselves. I'm
0: glad you said that because I literally was about to segue into the into what I was prepping for our upcoming campaign that I actually wrote down the factions that were important in the campaign. I divided them into major factions and minor factions with the caveat that the major factions are always going to be a major part of the campaign. The minor factions, uh, any one of them could be expanded, most likely if any of the players are uh, a part of these factions in some way. Whether that's they're literally like working for that faction, or they've just had like a past run-in, like maybe Zentarum gangsters burned your house down or something. You're not—that's not going to make you a Zentar. Or maybe it will. You—you have a really twisted backstory, but. Um, but but they're involved in your character arc in some way. So I literally wrote down the major factions were the Arcane Brotherhood and Ten Towns. The Ten Towns themselves is a faction for the reasons that you just mentioned. And then minor factions could include, like, the, uh, the Zentarum. Again, in my campaign, I would consider it a minor faction, but very easily could expand. Uh, in your example you know, did become a major part of the campaign, and I could see that happening in mine as well if any of the players have anything to do with the Zentarum. Um The Regged Nomads, the uh, the Goliaths, would definitely be a major player, especially if any of the characters are Goliaths or have anything to do with Goliaths. Uh, you could turn uh, uh, Frost Giants into a faction, um, Oral worshipers, the, the Dwarves that are native to that region. Like, all of those could be potential factions depending on if my players are... Uh, interested in exploring that as part of their personal character arc, and then I would immediately bump that up to a a bigger faction in our campaign, but I want to definitely start with even organizing the campaign into factions, which not necessarily all the campaigns work for that. Tomb of Annihilation, I did not do that because it was a lot harder to... Factions only played a role really in like the first like third of that game, and then it's a little harder for me to organize it that way, but... Uh, Dragon Heist is like the opposite, where it seems like that one is... Obviously, you're in an urban environment where a whole bunch of sentient humanoids uh, are competing against each other, and they're all different factions. I wish more of the campaigns uh, utilized them a little bit better. Has anybody done any kind of mechanical system with factions? I know it's not supported in... The rules but uh, aside from literally like well has anybody even done the basic of like you can gain ranks in a faction even though that doesn't really fucking yeah. do anything <laughs> yeah just for funsies yeah.
2: well no I, I looked at it and I did research online and kind of tried to homebrew my own thing but for most things I thought okay if you get this fancy new title what do you actually get and so with Dragon Heist. Um, the party wanted to align themselves um, with, let me just grab the book here real quick. I had it out two seconds ago. <laughs> um, the mages, they wanted to align themselves with the Black Staff. Yeah. And so, ah, the Great Force. Yep. So they went that route. And so they got mm. certain missions, and based off of their missions, they got certain magical items that I gifted them. They got certain okay. um, different boons. Um, when they had different checks, they got maybe advantage on specific types of checks. And because of the factions that they were going against, um, that changed kind of the dynamic of where I went with things. So with that, it wasn't just, "Oh, congratulations, you got a rank. Um, It was more of, okay, you got a rank, and because of your rank, I treated it like Acquisitions Incorporated, which is another campaign I'm currently running, where literally when you go up in your ranks in Acquisitions Incorporated, they give you unique magic items, and they give you specific, almost like class features, but based off of your role in ACK
0: Inc., and that's good so motivation they're... for what Marcos was saying, which is what players are interested in. <laughs> a lot. I mean, obviously, some are interested in Give historians me stuff. stuff. Yeah, we want stuff. We want. Yeah, they want. They want stuff. We want the stuff. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So tying, tying, uh, working for factions into fat loots uh, is not a bad motivator. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Like my my party loved the fact that they suddenly had a familiar that none of them had to learn find familiar about. That was their contact to the black staff and other people. And sometimes they use the familiar, and it'd be like, sorry, I'm busy. Call again. And they'd be like, what the Um, But it just created this dynamic where they had different things, whether it was a robe of useful items or X number of different stuff, where suddenly in the middle of combat, they're pulling things out, and I'm going, oh yeah, I gave that to you because you chose. Okay, cool, that's awesome. You actually used it. That's good. So it's... I feel like if you're going to use the factions, giving them things that go with it incentivizes in a very material way and a mechanical way that suddenly they're going, oh, you're part of that faction? Well, fuck you. You don't like our faction. You're a crip. We're a blood. And suddenly it's... It becomes more personal when it's just some random guy walking down the street wearing somebody else's jacket that he accidentally killed.
0: (laughs) That would be interesting. I haven't I haven't explored um, the choice of, of, of giving players a choice of factions and allowing them to take. I guess allowing them to take that much control of the story, where it's like here are all of the different factions that all have content. And ideally, you want your players to experience as much of the content as possible, but at some point, most likely, they're going to have to uh, pick and choose, in some cases, depending, I guess, on the story. Uh, And especially if you're unlocking things along the way, it feels like eventually you would have to be exclusive. Or not, you just let them work for everybody. So, Lumpy mercenaries.
2: As a follow-up to this same idea, do you feel like with Eberron it's super prevalent and it makes a lot of sense? Do you think that's partially because it's more of an urban setting?
3: I from definitely at least what think we've that. Been given? Yeah, with the with the more urban setting, with how interconnected that world is, the factions I really do think play a much larger role in everything that goes on. Uh, I mean, there's. Even in the the book for Eberron campaign setting, it says like how the different uh, countries are interacting with each other. So even just kind of baked into it, if we look at it as any group can be a faction, they all rewrite about you know dozens of them right in that book, and uh, they all have lots of interactions. Uh, one of the big parts uh, of my campaign is involving Thaliost, for example. It's the city that is taken over by one of the countries, but it's traditionally part of another country. So there's multiple factions already playing uh, on that one city and all the all the things around it that my players are going to find out. So, nice like I am saying you're
0: occupied. We're normally t- a different country. We're taken over by this country.
3: Yeah, occupied. That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh but there's uh I mean with all the terrorism going on in my campaign, you know, it makes sense that that's going to play a large part that city itself is going to take a large part of this uh, whole campaign. So that is like, a good point, I think, yeah.
2: I think the guilds that Marcus was talking about with Ravnica are so cool because of the different background things that they give you and the different ways that those guilds run and how they work. And the fact that when you get ranks up them, it it tells you that you get x number of different things. It gives you a mechanical, a uh, measurable thing that you get by being renowned five, by being renowned ten, by being rank whatever. That they actually give well, you the... a, a mount or something like. There's actual things that they give you in
3: Ravnica. Kind of where I'm going. That's sweet. Well, in Everon, they have the the. Uh, dragon mark houses and those they give you quantifiable things at certain levels different spells things like that and still my players none of them bid on going into any of the dragon mark houses too i was really surprised at that it, mm. it just <laughs> seems like players just never want to be a part of any of these factions for my games Time me down man
1: <laughs> and, and, and and one of the funny things is too is because uh, i i sometimes and honestly most of the time i do the opposite when it comes to mechanical things. Um, I don't know if you guys ever heard of the Doomsday Clock.
2: Uh, but um, heard of it, But in relation
1: to what? In relation to the actions of the players. So with the faction, whether I disclose it or not to the players, they usually start at zero because the players are unknown. But as they gain renown, not, you know, um, you know, the big R, but small R renowned in the world and do actions. If that comes into the conflict or aids a certain faction, it'll move the doomsday clock a little bit. Um, if they do something that another faction hates, it might move to one, you know, and I'll keep like a diagram of um, what they've done to gain the ire or, you know, maybe even background praise of a faction and as opposed to it being a knight in shining armor, walks up, says, Ah, thank you for your patronage. Here is gold. No, be like, no, be ha- behind the scenes things. You know, subtly, afflict- uh, uh, what's the word? Suddenly influencing the dice behind
2: the scenes. Or the DC gets higher, the prices get higher, they get yeah. cheaper, whatever the situation up or down.
1: Suddenly you're getting a, attacked at night. You know, you know, those uh, shifts that you're doing actually mean something because some suddenly there's an assassin that you guys that you know, wasn't known about before. It's because something happened that was like, Whoa, okay, these dudes are being kind of annoying. You peon twenty seven, take care of this
0: your infamy level has risen <laughs> exactly and, and then eventually what? it'll
1: get to the point where maybe i'll have to disclose maybe somebody will step out of the shadows and say hey you're being a problem for my employer i need uh, you to stop Seen
0: wanted posters <laughs>
1: yeah you know it's little things like that as opposed to it being if you do good you get good in return.
0: yeah uh Which goes back to what we're saying about factions can be uh things that your players can work for uh and progress in and unlock content for as well as a source of antagonism uh for uh evil factions that uh are directly aligned against the players i mean i think in most campaigns the enemy forces could be considered a faction i think uh to mentioned the Prince of the Apocalypse is very much just four evil cult factions that aren't even technically aligned with each other, but they all have similar bad goals. Uh, the Dragon Cult is an evil faction. Uh, Storm Kings has, I guess, really just one kind of BBEG that's doing stuff on her own, but utilizing a lot of different giant factions as minions. Tomb, I don't think, as a good example for factions. Undead aren't really a faction. <laughs> <laughs> um, Grung were in yours. Grung. <laughs> that's, the UNT was a, a really good faction, I think, uh, that I ended up mm-hmm. uh, uh, expanding, I think, what was written. And then the uh, like the Red Wizards was a faction that Are I true. definitely. And the, the, uh, course
1: of course, the Flaming Fist, which plays into Baldur's Gate Descent into a
0: true yep they show up for that because I think they're uh, bankrolled by Baldur's Gate so each of each of these campaigns has some new factions that uh, kind of build upon the ones that I guess exist in the Forgotten Realms um, usually as an antagonist faction which is why I'm looking forward to the uh, using the Arcane Brotherhood in Rhyme of the Frostmaiden because they're not uh, antagonists and they're also not necessarily the good Harpers either. They're just kind of uh, all about pursuing knowledge, which uh, can very much be you know evil or good aligned. And the people, the major NPCs who are a part of that faction all end up having their own... Uh, splitting off into their own directions in rhyme which is gonna be a big part of, of my campaign and in fact um one of them even forms a faction i forgot to mention uh, the whole black swords faction uh, could be a uh, transform into a minor into a major one so that's a really cool system and i hope one of my players uh can be tied to the arcane brotherhood in some way because that would be a great connection to use because i think that's going to be a a very important uh faction connection in my campaign Uh, what else can we talk about for factions? We already at, uh... I think
2: it just kind of relates a lot to the same thing that they did in Piety, which I haven't run Theros, but it seems like Theros leans more on Piety and gods rather than factions and renown and rank. So has anyone really, like, looked into Theros at all, or did I just, like say something that everybody's like what's
0: that <laughs> you've you mentioned the one book i have not reviewed in everything that yeah, i've done and, on the channel and that's the one book i've skipped over to it, it just doesn't interest me right now that's fair because it's it, it's its own world right it's it's a it's another magic the gathering world like uh, ravnica. it's another
2: magic the gathering world but it's it's a very much focused on like here's a god and depending on the god just like ravnica you can get a piety ranking and based off of your rank with your, with your deity, um, which can go up or down, um, you can get different things. So like if I pick a random deity, like um, Erebos, the God of the dead, if you do different things, there's things that you can get that would be in favor with him. And if you earn piety with him, at uh, the very first level of his piety, you gain the ability to cast Bane um, for a number of times equal to your wisdom modifier, and you can regain all expended uses during a long rest.
0: What's an example uh, of something you would have to... Does it, does it list, like, examples, or is it, like... Is it like, role-playing stuff, saying, or is it, like, you need to do quests that involve these things?
2: A little bit of both. Okay. So it says in here that, like, a concrete way to increase piety, or, in this case, rank within a faction... You would have to convince a group of people to accept misfortune because this god is the god of death. Or you would ease someone's death or assist with funeral arrangements. Or you'd retrieve a prominent figure's edelon or returned form. Returned are people that come back from the dead, but they're not undead. It's this weird new kind of race in theros Hmm. or there's ones where it's you save a life without securing compensation with from arabos would weaken your piety score with him or if you forsake your duties for personal gain or pleasure would weaken it or allow a soul to escape the underworld like there's aspects where they go these are measurable things that are more like events or actions similar to a paladin and whether or not he's being true to his... Right. Um, tenants and... His tenants. Is that something you keep track on the, gonna... on, the,
0: on the character sheet?
2: Um, it doesn't give a spot for it. So I think it's very similar to like the way that a warlock would deal with their patron. Hmm. Like, if you piss off your patron, he gave you his magic, you can take it away. So I have a system where if I have anybody that's playing a warlock, Typically, I'll have it where it's like, okay, if you're doing what you need to do, you'll get more RP options, or it'll speak to you more directly, or it'll give you more insight, or DCs will be lower for certain things because of your connection to your patron. Your magic is stronger. Mm -hmm. Or if you basically say, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want, suddenly you might wake up one day and you can't cast a cantrip. You're going, oh shit, I'm normal.
0: Moving that doomsday clock. <laughs> yeah, the the paladin, I think in previous editions of D anD D actually had rules for if you went against your uh, rigid uh, oath tenets. or I guess tenets was yeah the, the term that was still used. But and 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 I think obviously that retains in a fifth edition because I think you could still be an oath breaker. Is that a thing? Mm-hmm.
2: It's in the Dungeon Master's Guide. Okay, It's, uh, it's an actual uh, subclass that you can actually... I've had players ask, can I be that? And I said, well, pick something else. Start. Piss me off. Sure.
0: Right. Yeah, it's so much cooler if it happens uh, organically, like in the context of the story. Which uh, It would be interesting if you had more classes that, that did that rather than just the palette. And I think you made a good example with the Warlock. Um, that's interesting, though, about Theros. I uh, About the the it's almost like having a a personal character quest arc in addition to you know the the normal stuff going on you've also got this personal thing that you're trying to do and it actually gives you like mechanical upgrades as you do them Mm i'm i'm generally in favor of that because when i did my uh personal quests in tomb i i made sure to reward everybody i think mainly at the end of their quest chain although some of them got things along the way uh, where they got like a a cool personalized magic item after they like completed their personal quest arc, so that's uh, something I'm definitely in favor of. It's having some special thing that just that player is interested in doing, not at the the cost of you know like they have to leave the party or to do anything. You know presumably everybody would be along for the ride for that, but that it focuses on that player on things that they care about personally, and then they can get a reward from that. Sounds like a good system. All right, let's do uh, closing thoughts on using factions, uh, whether the established ones or our own ones in our campaigns. Lumpy, we're going to start with you. Uh, When I've
3: used a faction, I always ask three questions of it. What do they know? What do they want?
0: And what are they hiding? I like that a lot. Uh, Jordan.
2: I'm of the mindset that if you're going to take some extra time to RP something specific to something else, I ought to reward you. So whether it's to give you some sort of faction-associated spell or some sort of item or some sort of boon, then I'm more than welcome to do it. But again, player choice. And I've had some players that love it, some players that don't. So it just kind of depends on the party and what they want to do. Uh, Marcos. Thumbs up.
1: Factions oh. add to your games. <laughs> I like them.
0: Yeah. You like them. All right. Ned Lizard Lounge. Final thoughts on uh, factions?
4: Yeah. Leave it on the table and be ready for your party to either, you know, kind of dive in and be prepared if they want nothing to do with it. So just uh, have kind of both plan A and plan B at the ready.
0: Yeah. I. I want to do better about using factions. I wish that we had better options in the books. Um, but I think there's enough in there, and especially with each campaign introducing at least one or two factions or bringing some that I wasn't quite fully aware of, like the Arcane Brotherhood, into a bigger light and using that. You know, Obviously, you want your factions to be a big part of the story. And that's what makes them cool. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to the players. Like we mentioned, uh, do your players want to be involved in these factions, and in what way? Whether it's working for them or working against them, and ultimately, it comes down to you know what kind of characters they're playing, and if they have any kind of uh, history with any of these factions. In which case, uh, absolutely use them, and you know make that a part of uh, the overarching story as well as their personal story arcs as well. Uh, I think that will do it for this month's DM roundtable. Thank you so much to Jordan, Lumpy, Dead Lizard Lounge, and Marcos for joining me. I'm Eric. Hope to see you all again for next month's DM roundtable discussion.
2: Thanks again. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. <laughs> that's that's an excellent bye. Excellent.